1: Your ears do not deceive you. You You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti, sitting down today with writer David Boer to talk about his new image comic release, Rain. Thanks for joining me today, David.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be on the show. So I
1: live in Florida. We know a good hard rainstorm, but this is a whole nother level. So tell me a little bit about Rain.
0: Well, Rain is a um, love story set during a unique apocalypse. It's about Honeysuckle Suc- Speck and her girlfriend, Yolanda Rusted. And they're moving in together in Boulder, Colorado on this beautiful, sunny August day. And they're about to start their lives together. And when we enter the story, it's about, um, you know, they they talk about the coming out process and, it, and it's, we see the bond between the two of them. And it really seems like it's the best day of their lives. And then the dark clouds roll in. And when the skies open, instead of raining down water, it rains down crystal nails about the size of your thumb. And 8,000 people across Boulder are killed in about eight minutes. And I won't say anything else because it's a spoiler, but... Um, the plans that they all laid out in this spreading apocalypse are shredded, just like the victims who are out in the rain. And the story becomes one about love and loss and grief, and how we carry those things and how we move on when there doesn't seem to be much to uh, push ahead for.
1: Well, this is a bit of a departure from creating your own universe of comics <laughs> as you have in the past. So. This was originally a novella from Joe Hill's book *Strange Weather*. Um, So, how did that collaboration with Joe come about?
0: I've been a Joe Hill fan for a very, very long time. Ever since he, I think, started started out writing, Um, I I still have on my shelf his first book was *20th Century Ghosts*, and it was a short story collection. And there's a a mass market hardcover that was published in the U.S. and I think it was, I want to say, 2008. I got. A copy of it. It's this beautiful, like cloth bound with a paste down um, cover. And it's just great. And I bought a copy at um, the LA Times Festival of Books, and Joe happened to be there as a guest. And in 2008, I brought this book to him, and he, he signed it. And I still have it on my shelf, and it's you know uh, one one of my just prized possessions in my collection. Um, so I've just read everything that's come out. Lock and key for me is my favorite comic of all time. And Joe, Joe created with um, Gabriel Rodriguez and I came to comics as an adult. So right around the time, about 2008, 2009 is when I started sort of diving into comics and Lock and Key uh, was the first one I read. I'd read some before that, but it was the first one I read that really showed me what um, kind of storytelling is possible in the comics format. And, you know, I, I've since read Watchmen and I just read V for Vendetta. And I've read, um, uh, what is the Batman year one or something, the, the famous one mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of other books that I know came before lock and key that had a similar type of thing. Like Watchmen is uh, how do you tell the story in, in, in comics? And it, it just sort of blew the doors open on what's possible um, and, but for me, Lock and Key was the one that showed, that opened my eyes. And it's my favorite comic of all time. So I, I have this, this, you know, deep admiration for Joe. And um, I read Strange Weather and I read Rain as the story. And I just was so taken by the story and the characters. I just was, uh, I, I loved it so much. And I thought this, this story could live in, in another medium movie, TV show, comic, and so I started putting some feelers out, and um, somebody I'd worked with was Chris Ryle, and Rain is now the first book from Chris Ryle and Ashley Wood's new imprint at um, Image called Syzygy Publishing, and I know Chris was the editor on Lock and Key, still is, is good friends with Joe, and so I reached out, I said, Chris, is there any possibility that this could happen, that we we could adapt Rain into a comic, and um, he said, well, "Well, let's see." So he was up for it, and you know, we 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 talked with Joe. Joe read some of my other stuff. Um, he liked that. I put together a pitch for how I wanted to adapt it for, to a comic, and I think I, I think he saw the pitch, and that's when he got on board. And he's like, "Yeah, let's 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 try it." And then I re- wrote the first issue script. And I think that's when it's really clicked for all of us. It's like, we all were able to visualize w- what it could be. And I think, and that's, you know, we're all really excited about it. And then Zoe Thurgood, who's the artist on it, on Rain, uh, we were able to bring her on as the team in it. She created such a unique feel for the book that I think there was a little bit of kind of alchemy going on but when we started seeing the art and we were all thrilled about it. So. That's kind of the origin of it. Uh, I would say anybody who's listening, who is a um, writer out there, don't, you know, you got. I always say this, you got to take your shot, you got to take a shot. I didn't know if he was going to be into it or if he was going to let, you know, trust me with an adaptation or anything, but I was so passionate about the story. And I was such a big fan of Joe's that I thought, let's give it a shot. And here we are. So how much creative
1: license were you given for the adaptation?
0: I, I, Joe was really great. He had his story as the novella and he understands adaptations with some of, you know, lock and key was adapted to a TV show. Yep. Um, Nosferatu was adapted to TV show. Horns was a, a movie. And so he has a lot of experience with adaptations. So he was very um, he gave, he gave us a lot of freedom to kind of, When you do an adaptation, you have to embrace the medium that you're working in. And there are some things in the story that won't make it into the comic. And there are some things in the comic that were added from the story. But I think that's because we were trying to make the best comic version of the story that we could. So Joe understands that. And he sort of let us go, let let us have that freedom to create a, a, a version of the story that would maximize the comic medium.
1: So is it easier to write your own original story or adapt somebody else's?
0: Um, that's a good question. They're so different. I think it's a kind of a challenge to, to create your own from scratch. At least I had a blueprint. So I have my copy of Strange Weather at Home. It's got like post-it, no tabs in it and it's highlighted and there's writing and there's all kinds of other stuff. But it was, it was the template for me to go from there to adopt it. So there's a lot more pressure with an adaptation rather than your own work, but um, its I think it was a little easier in the sense that uh, I had the roadmap and sort of how we got there was the fun part for me.
1: Well, I know you did a lot of research for the project. Clearly, you're a fan of Joe's. I used to yeah. actually live in Colorado, so I'm curious if you have any insight um, into the use of Boulder as a location because the rain kills a lot of people. It's fairly uncommon there in Colorado, so does Joe hate the Nuggets or something? Or
0: the whole Nuggets, the, t- the whole team was caught outside. You know, I don't know what the origin is for setting it in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, I was very fortuitous for me. My husband's uh, family lives in Boulder. Okay, uh, so I've been I've been able to visit many times and uh, see the layout. So I was familiar from being there, and then I was know, I looked at m- maps and sort of aerials and that sort of thing to see what it would you see what it, you know, what the layout would be. I don't want to give away too much of the story, but um, what the, what the layout would be. Uh, So I felt very fortunate. I don't know what the origin is. Joe probably has a a fun, he's so full of fun stories. So he probably has a story as to why it's set particularly in Boulder.
1: (laughs) Well, lots of the the heavy lifting for the world building elements are already done for you. So talk to me about creating those moments of like the visual nuances um, that you would, that would be so important as you move from like this medium of essentially your mind into one of panels?
0: Well, a couple of things. Uh, one is the boulder is such a great setting because you can put the flat irons in the background and it's like there's the beautiful views, right? And that just enhances the sort of tr- tragedy of it all. Again, I don't want to spoil it. So it sort of enhances the tragedy of it all when you see this beautiful setting beautiful blue skies and the the rain comes in and sort of turns it into tragedy. Um, as far as I'm a big fan of using page turns and panel, you know, panel transitions for uh, cliffhangers and that sort of thing. And so it was deconstructing the story that was, you know, divided into chapters, which have their own cliffhangers. But uh, in comics, it's kind of like, you you have more limited space Mm -hmm. it's like the first chapter can't necessarily i think this first issue might actually be the first chapter in the in the novella but there's certainly a lot less information in the comic than there is in the book and that's just due to the medium um so yeah i visually that's sort of i had a picture of there there was a couple of key descriptions for the characters in the book that I put into the comic script and Zoe translated into uh, the visuals for the characters. And that was a lot of fun to see um, what I had in my brain and then seeing Zoe's style onto it and seeing these beautiful characters just come to life.
1: Well, after reading the the first issue this week, I was struck by how much this feels more like a love story than something externalized like this Crystal Rise Rain So I'm certainly bought into the relationship um, as Honeysuckle as a character. So this is a five-issue arc. Is it a
0: love story? It is a love story. And I like to say it's a love story set during the apocalypse, not necessarily apocalyptic story about, you know, with love between these two uh, women. So, it's that's that was my way into the story. And that's what I took from when I wrote when I read the novella was this is a love story. It's it's it felt so much to me like Bird Box, which is a story about parent being a parent, being a mother, um, and what you could do for your kids, and uh a quiet place, which is about family and how there is strength in family at the end of the world. And this is what it struck that's what struck me about the story is it's truly a love story. It's a story about grief and loss. And the, the unique layer to it is this apocalyptic rain that starts spreading across the world. And it's like, to me, it's more, somebody wrote it in a review and I thought it was really um, on point, which, which they said th- this crystal rain could be really like a B-horror movie, oh, we open on the crystal rain and it just like shreds everything and everybody. And suddenly you're you're following the characters a la, you know, Night of the Living Dead or something or, or Walking Dead where you have the characters and you follow them through this apocalypse, right? I knew that this story had to, the way into the story was the love between these two women and how that endures when this happens. So I knew that it wasn't going to be the focus wasn't necessarily going to be the apocalypse, and that's why I love the story so much. So, who is the target audience for "Rain"? Um, I think it's uh, that's a good that's a good question because it's kind of everybody,
1: right? Yeah, it's everybody.
0: It's- if you like, yeah, if you like apocalyptic stories, there will be p- the apocalypse is happening. If you like character driven stories, that you know that's going to be the focus of this journey, um, and I think audiences are changing. I mean, audiences, uh, sensibilities are changing. So they're demanding, they, they want more than just crystal nails, you know, needles falling from the sky. So, I mean, some people like that and that's fine. This book may not be for them, but for me, this is the kind of, this is the bird box. This is the, uh, you know, um, Arrival, which is about aliens, but it's not, it's, it's so much more than that. And that's what really create, um, elevates these genre stories to something that uh, I hope will be lasting and really will connect with people far beyond the weird apocalypse that we've, that, that you know, we see in the story. So you've
1: touched a little bit on Zoe. How did the rest of the creative team get together?
0: Uh, Chris uh, Ryle is the captain, captain of her ship. So he was the one who came up with Zoe. I read her issue of Haha, ha and I, and I saw some, and I read, um, the impending blindness of billy scott which i thought was absolutely brilliant uh so she uh was on our radar and chris said why not her and i i was totally on board i so <laughs> permission to speak freely yes uh, i i you know you see comics come out and you just see the same thing over and over again, I know it's different stories and I know it's different artists, but it kind of feels a lot of the same and feels very monotonous. Zoe felt like a breath of fresh air to me. Her style is very different. And I had a hunch, I had a, my, my gut told me that she's the kind of artist that people would notice. And so when Chris suggested her, I was great. Um, Chris has worked with Chris O'Halloran on colors before and um, Sean Lee on letters. So he brought them in. And as soon as Chris did, did the colors, we knew it was exactly right because he did those sort of flat colors, but super bright palette. And it just feels in then you know, it changes as the mood changes in this, in the first issue. And he just, he just internal, He felt like he internalized what we were going for and it just came out onto the page perfectly. So he's such a, invaluable part of the team and then sean did the bubbles or the the dialogue um bubbles without borders on them which i thought was a really clever device and it just all came together and and uh, you know kudos to chris ryle for uh bringing this you know team together and it's just been so fun to sort of do my job of the um writing the scripts and then getting getting that art in my inbox it's just Nothing quite compares to that.
1: Yeah, that's got to be quite the gift.
0: Oh, yeah. You see pages come in and you're just like, Whoa. this is so far beyond anything that I had pictured. Well, or
1: I've been following Zoe on Twitter with the release of this book. Um, saw a picture of her picking up a physical copy, her first physical copy of a major comic work, you know, in your hands with Rain. And having a few projects under your belt now, does it always still feel like your first time when you see your work in that
0: physical form? it's 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 equal parts exciting and terrifying right (laughs) you'd think it would get easier but it doesn't at all um it's it's fantastic to get that physical copy always in your in your hands and see it out in the world and you know for rain has been really great i think the feedback has been really terrific better than we had anticipated we thought we had a hunch people would like it but we didn't I don't think any of us realized how how uh, like viscerally people would respond to it. Even though it's kind of you know it's kind of a emotionally kind of brutal first issue, and people feels like people wanted to feel things and they felt things after they read this. Um, so when you when I can sit back and I can breathe that little little sigh of relief <laughs> that it's not going to be DOA, you know I just really really. It, it feels sort of new every time and I and I love it. I will keep doing it. And sometimes you'll have comics that'll be here. Sometimes you'll have some that'll be here, hopefully none down here, but you never know. But it's always that um, thrill of being able to put a new story out there and bring new readers on board, um, expand the folks that I know and who wanna read my stuff. And just, it's always so exciting. And thrilling and terrifying and all the things mixed up into one
1: <laughs> that's a lot emotionally to take in
0: oh my gosh so anybody who's read rain and felt all those emotions that you feel about it just multiply that by 10 and that's how i feel about creating it
1: so you said you got into comics when you were a little bit older so when did you know you wanted to be a comics writer i can't imagine you had an epiphany in law school
0: <laughs> well you know i had uh, I was at a big, big, big law firm after I graduated law school, and this was like the mid, mid-2000s, mid and, you know, I just wasn't enjoying it, and I had written some in college. It was always creative, and I wrote a little in college just for myself as a creative outlet, and I started exploring it uh, when I was sort of working professionally as sort of escapism, like maybe I can do this for a living, and this was, of course, what is that? 15 years ago now, 2006, 2007, like 15 years ago. Uh, And so I started writing and I wrote um, a novel that was just terrible. And then I wrote a second one that was just terrible but a little bit better. And then I wrote a third one that was just like, still terrible, but just a little bit better. I was like, okay, I can finish stories. And so I started looking into like writing for movies, writing screenplays and i went through a program at ucla called the professional program in screenwriting and so i got trained through that and i got a whole lot better from there and this is about the same time that i started getting into comics and so i started looking at comics and i thought well maybe this is really interesting I wonder if i could do this and so that's when i started writing comics and i pitched an idea that i had to what would now be what would become vault comics mm-hmm. So they were just starting out, and I pitched them an idea, and they weren't even Vault yet. They were um, they were another kind of uh, named publisher, and they were just looking at starting single issue comics. And so it all hit that sweet spot, and I'm like, "Yeah, we love this idea. Let's develop it. Let's let's put it out." And that was my first opportunity. And you know, it was a really great story. We all loved. Um, it didn't sell very well, but. Uh, it got me my next thing, which was another vault book. And then from there I started meeting some artists, uh, and, and other folks in the, in the comics industry and, you know, very, very early on. And that's when I met Drew Zucker, who was the, um, artist and my co-creator on Canto. And it was, so the first vault book was 2017 and my second vault book was 2017 to 2018 Um, and I first met drew in the fall of 2017. And that's when we started developing Kanto and that came out in 2019. That was sort of my, my trajectory.
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of Kanto. I think you and drew have something special going on with that project. Now, as, as I understand it, it's being adapted into a film. So how are you feeling about getting that project with more wings?
0: I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. I already have, uh, Drew and I have had the very good fortune to be uh, executive producers on it and I'm gonna be writing the screenplay. So I already know, I already have a sense in my head about how that story, the, the best version of that story as a movie. And I just can't wait to see, to get all those emotions from the from the book Onto the screen and really evoke those things, but on a much grander scale with a lot more eyeballs on it. So I really can't wait to see its next life and its uh, you know our, our little clockwork knight's next uh, iteration of his journey on you know the big probably the small streaming screen.
1: Well, you've written such a wide gamut of different things from a genre perspective, right? So there's Canto, Rain, Killer Queens, Firefly adaptation. Alien bounty hunter—they don't seem like they have a lot in common, so it's hard mentally to kind of pin you into a category. Do you enjoy that creative freedom so far of not really having
0: a niche? Um, Yeah, I'm I'm very wily. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't I I I don't know. I I think about that a lot because I think about should I just be doing only just fantasy? Should I just be doing, you know? big queer sci-fi? Should I just be doing, um, you know, horror, like in rain? Uh, You know, what what should I, should I be focusing on one thing? And, you know, there's a through line to all of these stories, which um, I I tell everybody, and it's my number one piece of advice for anybody who wants to make, to write stories or wants to make comics or or anything is to do what you love and do what you're passionate about because these things take a very long time. If you're not passionate about it, you'll, you'll run out of fuel as you go. Canto, I loved the story, loved the character so much that Drew and I knew that if IDW didn't take it, if any other publisher didn't take it, we would be doing uh, crowdfunding, Kickstarter, whatever, because we wanted to tell the story. Killer Queens. I wanted to do a story about representation and I love retrofuturism and I love, you know, I love comedy and I I was so passionate about these characters. I wanted to tell this story. Same with Rain. You know, we talked about it when I read it in 2017. I loved it so much. I wanted to tell the story. So if there's one common thing about all these different types of stories, it's that I love them and I would pursue them to the ends of the earth to get them written. So I think what readers can expect from me in the future is that I probably will, I'll probably be in different genres doing all kinds of different things. But the one thing that you can count on is that I will be just head over heels in love, passionate about whatever story that I'm doing.
1: So are there future plans to work with the Joe Hill, his imprint? There's Hill House. Now you have I'm gonna butcher this right but syzygy did i get that right
0: you got it right this yes. is gonna be so happy nice okay
1: syzygy there we go say it again syzygy. yes yep. so any plans anyway to work with either of those imprints in the future
0: yes i think all of us together have very high hopes that we're gonna find an opportunity to do um something more either with chris's syzygy imprint image or with you know Hill House over at DC or so, I mean, I can tell you from my, I can't, you know, speak for them, but I can tell you from my perspective and what I, what it seems to be to me is that we've worked really well together as a team. And I really, uh, you know, look forward to the opportunity with the right story to do something else together. I think we will.
1: So if you could write an arc for any major comic book character,
0: who would it be and why? I would have said Firefly. (laughs) To be honest with you, Firefly is my favorite sci-fi franchise, and I love the show so much. And you know, I pursued it. I pursued it with Boom. I ended up, uh, you know, knowing uh, my editor over there, and I brought it up with her, and things came to pass. And then uh, I got the opportunity. So I would say Firefly, but. Something that I haven't that I would like to I, I'm I I hate to even say this publicly, but I'm not a reader of the big two. I will cherry pick some different things from Marvel and DC that I think are really interesting. But I'm just not like a Wednesday warrior, let me read 15 Batman books or whatever. I so, can't do it either. <laughs> so maybe that'll kill me as far as you know making the leap to the big two, but I would love to do like a DC black label or some sort of Marvel uh you know, out of continuity, I don't. I I, I think the X Men are really cool. I I'm always drawn toward Nightcrawler because you know it's an allegory for the LGBTQ community, sure. and um, you know it's always fascinating me with the mutants that can't pass. So Nightcrawler is the perfect example. Is he'll never pass as human. Everybody's going to know he's a mutant. So. Um, I want to tell a one-off out of continuity. I don't care what happened in the X-Men before. I don't care what's going to happen in the future. I just want to tell like a 10-issue 1940s noir-esque story about religion and beliefs and Catholicism and Nightcrawler and how he fits into a small town um, and how he navigates and maybe set it against like a a murder mystery or something like that.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: I I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. Like a 10-issue. (laughs) I already have like a cover in mind and everything, but that's what I would want to do is write uh, a a Nightcrawler as an example of a, um, do the Tom King sort of what he did with vision and Mr. Miracle and those sorts of things. And just take that character and just sort of do my own thing. I don't think, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but.
1: We'll make it happen.
0: I mean, Marvel, my email's out there. So
1: there we go. Uh, Any future projects you want to hype before we go today? I mean, you have, screenwriter chops. So would you like to move into, into another medium even down the road?
0: Yeah. So I'm, you know, I already work in screenwriting. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm working on that I, uh, you know, we're a little too early in the process to really talk too much about, sure. uh, but Canto, you know, Canto is coming. Uh, I'll look for more news on killer Queens. Uh, again, we're a little early in the process, but uh, there's a lot of, there's a couple really great, um, uh, uh, bits of news about that story that, you know, it's going to be moving forward. So um, I, I can't wait to release that. Uh, then this this year, which is already out there, uh, Firefly, all new Firefly number one starts in February. And this is in the current continuity of Firefly. They're ending at 36, issue 36, and they're starting all new Firefly at number one. And I'm going to be writing that through uh, 11 issues through the rest of the year. And then, um, or Canto, uh, we've been teasing it. We're going to do a like Canto mini, two issue mini series uh, in June and July. And then Canto four, which is the wrap up of Kanto's big story, is going to start in October. We've got a couple of Canto trades coming out this year Killer Queen's Trade, The Rain hardcover is going to come. Uh, in mid-year i think maybe maybe in the fall uh so there's there's a a number of things that are percolating for 22. so i would recommend if everybody wants to follow my social medias i will be screaming them from the rooftops i (sighs) promise you
1: until you're tired
0: of it yes (laughs) no until you're tired of it. such such as marketing in this era i know it's promotion relentless promotion
1: Yes. Well, my last question of the day. I'm a dog person. Clearly, you are as well, since every bio everywhere talks about your greyhounds.
0: Are you looking? Can I move point? my screen a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Let me see if I can get my greyhound in there. There, he, there is. he is.
1: Nice. Just out like a light. So, are we going to see a story with them in it? If If you don't want, to, if there's no story, then you can just brag about your puppies, because I'm cool with that.
0: There's I I'll say two things about it. And it's funny you ask that question. Cause I never thought about it until right now, but there's one story that I'm actually um, pitching that is based on, we've had retired racing greyhounds for um, almost 20 years now. Okay. And the beautiful dogs that are, are raced. And then for a long time, it's better now, but for a long time, they were just sort of um, tossed aside and we've had greyhounds for 20 years and they're just the sweetest, nicest dogs. And so there is a story that I'm working on where I'm pitching the way into the story is my experience taking these dogs that would normally be discarded and saving them and finding such fulfillment and such joy and such connection to these animals. And it's a fantasy story, but it's kind of got that vibe to it. And then um, Drew Zucker and I um, on Canto are talking about a story that may be inspired by our love of dogs. Yes. Sweet. It's going to be another all ages fantasy that it's a, it's a ways down the road, but it's been percolating. You heard it here first. Cause I asked about your dogs. ta yep. Thank you for that. What a great, what a great final question. <laughs> oh,
1: no problem. Um, we've adopted four. So we're, we're, we're big dog people. So. Good. Uh, thank you so much today, uh, David, for joining me today. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to visit with us at Comic Book Yeti, So.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. So excited to be on here. Uh,
1: the first issue of your new comic Reign is available now in local comic book shops or digitally online. Um, on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, this is Byron O'Neill, and thanks for everyone for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.
0: If you enjoyed this
1: episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.